We'd like to, to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 6, 2010. We're going to be continuing uh, this expose. This is our last article on the um, Gaza Flotilla and relating to the subject. This is from Cutting Edge. It's entitled, Warning to All Islamic Leadership. You will be destroyed if you persist in plotting the annihilation of Israel. <clears throat> this goes on to say, But the God of Israel, the Almighty God, has predicted both this current obsession with Israel, Jerusalem, and the ultimate outcome. We can only shout a warning against all the enemies of Israel. God is watching every Palestinian, every Muslim, and every person with hate in their heart toward Israel. He is taking note of every terrorist attempt and every successful terrorist attack, like the one we've just talked about, essentially. As God promised, um, many Christians believe that the last judgment will be held in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Interpreting the passage in Joel 3, 1-2, it says, For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah in Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the Valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel. He is very specific about this. Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Now, these are all the... Um, he says, I'll gather all the nations and bring them into the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And will plead with them for my people and my heritage, Israel. is very specific. Whom they have scattered among the nations. Isn't that what happened to Israel? Particularly after... And I understand Israel brought a lot of this on themselves. Because, uh, you know, when they, when they said to Pilate, Crucify Jesus Christ, give us Barabbas, let his blood, meaning Jesus' blood, be upon us and our children. It's almost like they, they literally brought a curse upon themselves. They asked for it. And I've done a whole study on that where we talk about the biblical causes for Israel's afflictions. Okay, It's not something we should glory in or, or, or gloat about at all. Um, but it's something that did happen. So again, you have to have balance when you look at the subject. But it says, Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Well, this is, isn't this what this is all about? This whole land for peace garbage? And every time Israel gives up more land, they just get a little closer. It's never good enough. They just start it up again. There's no way you're ever going to be able to give them enough land unless you give it all to them and they'll die. That's the only thing that they would ever be satisfied with. This verse seems to fit hand in glove with Matthew 25, 31, which says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. Remember it said all nations in Joel 3, 1 and 2? And he shall separate them from one another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now again, I don't want to do too much of a Bible study on that, but it does seem to line up with that verse. Therefore, when Muslims murder Jews indiscriminately, they try to accomplish the attack of total annihilation that Hitler failed to accomplish. And they are embarking on an impossible mission. And they are setting themselves up for the greatest of God's prophetic annihilations. Oh, there's another gigantic movement too. This is the one where they totally deny the Holocaust ever happened. Despite all the pictures... I, I get people emailing me, you know, semi-frequently about that. Oh, it was all a lie. Oh, okay. All those Jews that were, were annihilated, all the pictures, all the documentation, all the footage that they've got of that. It, none of it ever happened. It just... 
it was all a lie. I mean, you know, believe what you want to believe. But, I mean, that, that is such a documented fact. And it, granted, it wasn't just the Jews. I mean, they, they killed, um, you know, six million Jews, but it was, it was uh, they killed a ton of Polish people. They killed a ton of, I mean, so many people died in that war in general. I mean, from, from the fighting alone, the Russians, the Germans, the, the Poles, I mean, Americans, there were thousands and thousands that died on many, many sides. But to deny the Jews were, were ever in concentration camps and never were, were never killed, I mean, come on. Uh, anyway, therefore when, um, when Muslims murder Jews indiscriminately, and try to accomplish the task of a total annihilation that Hitler failed to accomplish, they are embarking on an impossible mission. They are setting themselves up for the greatest of God's prophetic annihilations. Since 1948, the Arabs have collectively tried to snuff out the life of tiny Israel, attacking her in six major wars and countless acts of terrorism. You cannot succeed, Islam, because God has set his face against you and is protecting Israel by the almighty power of his hand. You might consider my article today to be an open warning to all Arab leaders that they had best stop attacking God's people, the Jews, but they're not going to. God's going to even use them to accomplish his purpose. But they have been warned. They have no concept of what they're opposing. That they're opposing God Almighty. As we stated in part one of the series, which... I'm not reading here, but I have the link there you can click on. God has repeatedly stated in both Old and New Testaments that he was going to restore Israel back to her land in the latter days and would restore his betrothal to her. Tiny Israel, smaller than the state of New Jersey, is surrounded by a sea of hostile Arabs that want to see Israel annihilated and cast into the sea. Never in modern history have so few dominated so many so thoroughly. The Jews are outnumbered 52 to 1, and they still dominate and defeat the Arabs. How humiliating it must be for the Arabs not to be able to defeat such an outnumbered foe. Furthermore, it has not mattered that the Arabs succeed in bringing the USSR into the conflict on their side, even though the Arabs have been trained and equipped by Russians since World War II. They have not been able to defeat Israel. Now, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anyone here sense the presence of Almighty God? Surely, no one who carefully considers this matter can reach any other conclusion. It would seem to me that if the Arabs simply lined up 2 million people, 200 million people, armed with anything, they could overwhelm Israel with just sheer numbers. Yet they do not. And God's protection is the only reason the Arabs cannot win. Today, the Arabs are trying to win at the bargaining table what they could never win at the battlefield. And when Arabs are not negotiating, they are either murdering innocent Jewish men, women, children, and babies, or they are using oil monies to buy weapons of mass destruction in order to annihilate 6.6 million Jews. Now, if you think about it, they've got all this Arab oil money. Back, I mean, look at um, Dubai. I mean, that, that I understand it's in decline now, as opposed to what it was. But we're talking the Arab oil money is is mind-boggling. You would think that with that kind of money backing them, with a religion that is totally bent on the destruction of Israel, and hopefully we've just proved that in the first two teachings, that they could, just through sheer numbers and the sheer amount of money they could throw at this, they would have defeated Israel a long time ago. No way. Not going to happen. So, uh, 
it's it's pretty amazing. God has much to say about how he will treat Israel after he restored her to the land in the latter days. Generally, God will be protecting Israel as he did in the Old Testament before she began so terribly to sin against his commandments. But God is also going to remarkably demonstrate his power and glory in the latter days. Now, remember, I would temper that with what uh, Zechariah talks about where it appears as though two-thirds of the Jews will die. Um, and I don't think it's going to all be at once. I think it's going to be over time, you know. And, and um, uh, let's go further here. <clears throat> uh, let's see. By deliberately... God is going to remarkably demonstrate his power and glory in the latter days by deliberately stirring up the peoples around Israel to attack her, only so he can miraculously deliver her. The centerpiece of God's love and concern for Israel is Jerusalem. Listen to God's plan for Jerusalem in the latter days. Zechariah 12, 2-3 Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people, for all people. All the, that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Through all the people of the earth be gathered together against it, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. Isn't that the way it almost seems now? I mean, it's just really starting to, I mean, we're seeing all of this world uniting now. In universal con- it doesn't matter what the facts were regarding the flotilla. It doesn't matter that Israel's had 12,000 rockets. It doesn't matter that they've given up land for peace over and over again. It doesn't matter that they send humanitarian aid in to the Gaza Strip, even though they're feeding a lot of the terrorists. It doesn't matter whatever concessions they try to make. That's all ignored. And there's going to come a point when, you know, all that's going to be over with. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I really am, because I, I hate to see evil prosper and get away with what it's got away with regarding this situation. It, it's sickening. So let's go further. Now, I appeal to everyone to be caref- to carefully understand what God is foretelling in this remarkable prophecy made almost 2,500 years ago. After he brings Israel back to her land, God is going to, do, to deliberately create the following situation to develop. Little, ti- little tiny Jerusalem is going to be a center of attention and agitation. For all the peoples who are living around it, these peoples, the Arabs living around Jerusalem, are going to be mightily agitated over the Israeli control of Jerusalem. The Arab people surrounding Jerusalem are going to come against it in such a way that the situation will appear as though they have a Jerusalem surrounded as in a siege. They will come in a wave after wave against Jerusalem, As one wave is annihilated, another will take its place. God will annihilate them all. Later in the Great Tribulation, we know that this is going to happen literally. An overwhelming enemy force is going to lay siege to Jerusalem, uh, and they will have begun to enter the city when the Messiah comes from heaven to destroy them by speaking one word. The annihilation is foretold in Revelation 16.16, and is called the Battle of Armageddon. Certainly today's newspapers tell a story that exactly corresponds to this prophetic picture that we've painted above, we just talked about. The Arabs have Israel and Jerusalem completely surrounded in such an overwhelming manner that the average Israeli citizen must feel as though he is in a siege. And the Arabs have succeeded in manipulating the Palestinians so that they are creating an Arab state within a tiny nation of Israel. A sharp dagger seemingly poised just inches away from the Jewish heart. In fact, 
when the peace process is completely carried out, Israel will be nearly cut off, north from the north from the south, with only a narrow strip of land a few miles wide joining the two segments. One does not have to be a military genius to understand that at that point, Israel will be in dire peril militarily. If an attack came from within the newly created Arab state, Arab forces will have little difficulty cutting off the northern segment of Israel from the southern segment. Arab forces might be able to defeat Israel before her armed forces could be fully mobilized, as it takes 72 hours to mobilize Israel's reserves. Yasser Arafat, when he was living, made it quite plain that he looked to the Quran for his current strategy in dealing with Israel. They all do. Uh, and this is what we have to, this is why I keep going back to the Quran. What does their, what does the foundation of their faith, which is the Quran, teach them? In the Quran, the Prophet Muhammad states that if the Arabs face an enemy so strong they cannot defeat them, they are to feign that they want peace. They're going to act like they want peace. It's a, it's a lie, okay? Once peace gets underway, the Arabs are to secretly build up their forces, though while simultaneously trying to lull the strong enemy to a false sense of security. Then, when the time is right, the Arab forces will spring into military action, totally defeating their enemy. This was Arafat's ruse, and he has been caught on tape explaining this ruse to other Arabs. They're liars! Their word means nothing! Daniel 12.1 gives an interesting picture of how God's protection might be carried out. Speaking of the end times of... The age, God foretold that Israel was going to face such a threat of annihilation. That the great angelic princely angel Michael is going to stand up from his throne and deliver Israel. Okay, let's just read that the first two verses of Daniel 12.1 real quick. And at that time, Michael, the archangel, shall stand up, the great prince which standeth up for the children of thy people. Daniel's people were the Jews. This is the book of Daniel. Okay. So he will stand up for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was. Okay, and again, this is referred to as as the Great Tribulation. Okay, that time of trouble such as the world never was, um, is this is what it's in reference to. Revelation 7, 14, Matthew 24, 21, and 22. This is, the, this is the reference to that time period, so we have this perspective. So we're talking about the Jews, we're talking about the Jews in the Great Tribulation. Um, such as never was, since there was a nation even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered. Okay, so again, this is this is prophetic, and um, uh, just some more confirmation there. So let's go further here. Let's see. All Arab leaders who are currently plotting against Israel, and all, and they all are, should take these warnings to heart. Of course they won't, because they despise the God of Israel, the Almighty Creator. They are literally fighting against God. This is why they have never been able to defeat Israel since she came back into God's land where he put her, and why they never will in the future. All their plotting and scheming will will only will not only result in defeat, it will result in total annihilation of their nation. Now that's not politically correct, but I could care less. That is what I believe exactly is what can happen. And see, the thing is, is they are of the exact opposite mindset. You have to understand that they are expecting their awaited savior called the Imam Mahdi, okay, who Maitreya claims to be. Maitreya claims to be Imam Mahdi, the fifth Buddha to the Buddhists, the Imam Mahdi of the Muslims, Krishna to the Hindus, 
the Christ to the Christians and also the Messiah to the Jews. He claims to be everything in one package. Okay. Muslims believe that the Imam Mahdi will only come back, their awaited savior, through much bloodshed. Mass, mega bloodshed, particularly the bloodshed of the Jews. They also believe Imam Mahdi is going to come back with Jesus. Did you know that? Yep. But the Jesus that's going to come back with the Imam Mahdi, if there's any truth to the prophecy, is going to be the Ascended Master, Sananda Emmanuel, or what they refer to as Master Jesus, the Ascended Master. He's going to be like Imam Mahdi's little sidekick. You know, like the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Well, that's kind of how they view the Master Jesus, as a sidekick or as coming back with Imam Mahdi, who's the big guy. And that's all that lines up with all of Maitreya and Share International and the United Nations writings on this Jesus that will be coming back, who they say will actually assume the reins of the Roman Catholic Church. Not me, that's what their writings teach. So, how that's all going to play out, I don't know, but I have told you about it, and it would seem to be a good likelihood for an Antichrist false prophet scenario. We'll see. Uh, and then we go to, if we look at uh, Obadiah, and he's got an uh, article that he wrote on that that you can click on, but it says in verse 15 of Obadiah, abruptly shifts to the emphasis to what they call the day of the Lord, which is the end of the age. The entire book is written to the Edomites, who are the descendants of Esau who has so thoroughly afflicted Israel throughout all history. In verse 15, God foretells that he will bring judgments upon Edom and the entire house of Esau. These, um, Cutting Edge says these are the Arabs immediately surrounding Israel. God is telling that his physical judgment will begin to fall upon these Arabs for the way which they have consistently mistreated Israel in the past um, and it would seem in the present. But God will use his extremely strong language here in verse 16 of Obadiah that these Arabs will be forced to completely drink from the cup of God's wrath and judgment. They will be destroyed as though they had not ever been. Does that mean that every Edomite man, woman, and child will be killed? We don't, you know, that's up, that's up to God, but it, it may go down that way. We deal with this somber subject in News Report 2095 and encourage you to read it and clearly carefully um, understand, for we believe it is a literal fulfillment of this, these verses in Obadiah, which seem to be very close. And that the presence of the fences and the barriers and controlled roads around the Palestinian cities and towns is evidence that Israel is about to annihilate the Palestinians in literal fulfillment of this passage in Obadiah. Now again, this is cutting edge's take on it. I'm not going to be 100% saying, yeah, this is, a, but I think they present a good case for this. In verse 17 of Obadiah, God states that on Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem, the people shall be delivered, um, and it shall be holy once again, and that the house of Jacob shall possess its own former possessions. Um, which I would imagine would mean they were going to get a lot of this land back. Now, this is quite a statement. What could it possibly mean that on Mount Zion it shall once again be holy? I think it probably means that the Jews will be able to rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount, which is Mount Zion. I don't know. Listen, I mean, because that temple, ultimately, the Antichrist is going to go into and defile. And so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but this is what their what their take is on it. Uh, it also probably means that the Arabic dome on the rock will be torn down. And that would be a good start. <laughs> Interestingly, the plan of the New World Order 
calls for a destruction of the Dome of the Rock on page 233 of an incredible book titled The Armageddon Script by Peter Lemeshur. Now, I've quoted from this book a lot, but this is part of their agenda, destroying the Dome of the Rock. New World Order author Peter Lemeshur states plainly that such a destruction would allow the Jews to rebuild their temple, thus enhancing the Messianic Initiative. This means that such a destruction may take place after the New World Order crisis has appeared and has convinced the Jews that he is their long-awaited Messiah. This is just another exciting instance where the New World Order plans parallel biblical prophecy. So now let us return to Obadiah verse 18, where it states that a fire will be there in the house of Jacob and a flame in the house of Joseph, which of course speaks of the entire nation of Israel. This flaming fire evidently explodes out of the nation of Israel, absolutely engulfing the house of Esau, burning them to stubble, consuming them so completely that there shall be no survivors in the house of Esau. Suddenly all of Israel's immediate Arab enemies shall be totally gone, annihilated by some kind of fire coming out of Israel. Before we study the possibility of what this fire may be, we need to look closely at the result of such a devastation on the house of Esau. Verses 19 and 21 19 through 21 foretells that the Israelites will immediately possess all the land that was formerly inhabited by the house of Esau, and the land corresponds to the following current Arab nations in the Middle East. Uh, I forgot to include those, sorry. Now let us speak of this fire exploding out of Israel and consuming the house of Esau. Several years ago I read an editorial in a Boston Jewish advocate that Jewish author was most adamant in describing the deadly threat that would exist if Arab nations ever possessed tactical nuclear weapons. While they are working on anti-missile weapons, they would have no ability to prevent nuclear artillery shells from exploding. This is Israel wouldn't have that ability. Even an anti-missile weapon could be expected to be easily overwhelmed by sheer numbers. The author stated that Israel, Israel, Israeli military leaders expected that this scenario would occur by the end of this decade at the earliest the opinion of these military leaders was, was that Israel had to carry out a preemptive strike before the Arabs could possess tactical nuclear weapons. And this meant total annihilation of Arab nations, not just winning another war against them. Every war Israel has fought since returning to her land has only set the stage for the next war. In this case, with nuclear weapons, Israel must totally annihilate her Arab enemies, for otherwise he would quickly respond with their own nuclear weapons. Israel has already already decided to go to nuclear weapons if an Arab threat were deemed to be overwhelming. During the 1990-1991 Gulf War, the Israeli government warned King Hussein of Iraq that if he launched any weapons of biological or chemical nature, they would respond with nuclear annihilation. So the decision has already been made. It's just awaiting the precise timing and the place to use. Now again, we can't be dogmatic here about, oh, this is absolutely 100% the way it's going to go down. The Lord Jesus Christ is in control. And if he doesn't want nukes to be dropped, they're not going to be dropped. So this is a scenario, a possible scenario, we're trying to give you. Now, we need to return to the discussion of the peace process, now underway between tiny Israel and her Arab neighbors. The proposed land for peace process makes no military sense, as every man in the world knows fully. Yet Israel has went along with such a suicidal plan. Why? I think this is purely, and this is purely a personal opinion of cutting edge, that Israel and her generals have sprung a trap for the Arabs to actually fall into. 
aiming directly at the instructions in the Quran of trying to use the peace process is a ruse to annihilate your enemy at the proper time when he has let his guard down. Remember what we talk, told you about the Quran? Well, it, it's almost like Israel's going along with it. I believe it is possible that Israel decided to give the appearance to the Arabs that she is giving in to their insistent demands for a Palestinian state within the heart of Israel, knowing full well they will use the state as a means to which to, to which to destroy Israel. With the entire world witnessing the complicity of the Arabs in preparing to attack, Israel will strike preemptively. Whenever possible, away from the land of Israel, Jewish generals will use their scalier weaponry to totally annihilate Jordan, possibly Egypt, perhaps Syria, and parts of Iraq. Now, scalier weaponry is a whole other deal uh, that we can you can talk about. There's a link here you can click into. Uh, it's very advanced. Just put it that way. Very, very advanced. Probably more advanced than anything the Arabs have. In Scripture, God foretells latter-day judgments on these nations that Israel could possibly attack. Isaiah 13, which is a mournful judgment against Babylon of old, which today is Iraq. They give you a link you can go to if you want to read that. Isaiah 15-16, through 16, which is a mournful judgment against Moab, which is the east of the Jordan River and is one of Jordan's provinces today. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Isaiah 17, a mournful judgment against Damascus capital of Syria. Damascus is known today as the world's most continuously occupied city. Since it was established, Damascus has never been totally destroyed. She has been continuously been inhabited. Yet, God's prediction is that she will cease to be a city and will become a heap of ruins in Isaiah 17. Now, that hasn't happened. So, it's got to be future. We know that for sure. Maybe some of these other ones you could say, oh, well, this happened then. or Well, I don't, I don't believe so, but this one's real clear. Then Isaiah 19, a mournful judgment against Egypt for destruction. Each of these verses begins with the God's standard phrase of judgment. Um, and they have never been fulfilled. In contrast, the similar predictions of judgments found in Isaiah 21 through 23 have been historically fulfilled. So some of the judgments in Isaiah have been fulfilled, but some haven't. I find it very interesting also that these nations listed above are not listed in the nations who are going to be marching with Russia from the south and the north of Israel as foretold in Ezekiel 38-39. This is the Gog-Magog angle, okay, which is a whole other thing. We can only wait to see and watch uh, if this theory is correct. But understand this, in the last days Israel will be constantly attacked and her defeat will seem imminent. Initially the Arab-coordinated attack will make it seem as though Israel will be annihilated as a barrage of missiles rain down upon Israel. But God has promised that he will fight for her, annihilating her longtime Arab enemies. How and when that fire and flame come exploding out of Israel will be a matter of conjecture until it happens. Now, just something that just kind of popped into my head is that, okay, if Israel gives into this whole thing with this flotilla, and they allow this to happen, and then what it also does is there's such a pop of public outcry that this whole uh, Palestinian state thing is the only way the Arabs are going to be appeased. And let's say Israel comes to the bargaining table and they're like, okay, fine, we'll give your your Palestinian state, just you know, leave us alone, knowing that they're, they're not going to be left alone. Because Israel's not stupid. Well, then they form a Palestinian state, they have a free 
uh, uh, way to get goods into the Palestinian state. Let's say there's no more, there's a way that they can get their goods into the Palestinian state with no blockades. Let's say that's best case scenario. And then they really, really arm up, they gear up, gear up, gear up for war. That would be playing right into this scenario that we just described here. That they would actually be ready to try to totally annihilate Israel. They're going to have a Palestinian state, they're going to have the arm to the teeth, and then they launch their attack, but preemptively Israel knows this and strikes first and annihilates them. Well, you know, it's, it's a very possible scenario. I think at one level, <laughs> this is going to happen one way or another. Um, this is one thing I know. All Arab leaders plotting Israel's destruction are, gay, are engaged in mission impossible. Their efforts will only result in their own destruction. Now again, this thing that I said about Alex Jones and these other things, I expect better of somebody like Alex Jones. The New Agers and the UN and the Arabs and that, okay, fine. But you can go up and glean a lot of truth from Alex Jones' website. But then again, you know, with him so thoroughly, seemingly almost at the spear tip of trying to attack Israel and condemn them and who he's aligning themselves with. He, he's in great danger. I mean, that, it's not like um, uh, his organization isn't most likely on a razor's edge anyway. Uh, I, I just wouldn't want to put myself in that position that he's putting himself in. And I, I pray to God his eyes are open. I really do. Because... Um, I mean, he, he has just he come out with article after article um, in absolute opposition to all this information that we're presenting you today. Going further, it says, um, I wish Bill Lambert, the occultic leader of the House of Theosophy, to have the last word. In his seminar, entitled Possible and Probable Events in the Future, held in Boston headquarters of the House of Theosophy, remember, Theosophy is the really going to be the coming essence of the coming one world religion. Uh, if you want to know more about it, go up on YouTube and key in Aquarius Age of Evil. You can watch the DVD, uh, the documentary I was just in for free, or you can buy the DVD. They give you the things. Keith Thompson put it out. And you'll see, we talk a lot about the House of Theosophy. Madame H.P. Blavatsky started it in the, in the late 1800s. And it is essentially just nothing more than Luciferianism. It was perpetuated and continued by Alice Bailey. And Maitreya and Krem on their, on their UN-sponsored website of Share International, if you go to the recommended reading list, the two main recommended reading authors are Alice Bailey being the first and H.P. Blavatsky, who started Theosophy. <coughs> Alice Bailey started Luciferianism. Lucifer Publishing Company and then changed it to Lucis uh, Publishing Company after the name was too obvious. And this is what theosophy is all about. It is going to be the coming essence of the coming one world religion is, is what I believe it to be. Which is really just nothing more than witchcraft. Worshipping of Lucifer. Anyway, this guy who we're quoting from, Bill Lambert, was the occultic leader of the House of Theosophy. And uh, um, and uh, David Bay was smuggled kind of into one of his seminars, and it was entitled The Possible and Probable Events in the Future. This was in August 18th of 1991. Lambert stated that the Middle East was a key as far as 
producing the New World Order Antichrist. He stated, quote, The impetus toward the type of settlement, this type of settlement, is made possible only because of the general fear of war. The fear of war must be maintained until the desired political and religious changes have been instituted. So this whole thing going on in the Middle East, particularly with Israel involved, is, is just to maintain this fear of war. Okay? This article ends by saying, Watch Israel, one of God's keys to determining the imminency of the New World Order. Truly the end of the age is upon us. Are you spiritually ready? Is your family? Are you adequately protecting your loved ones? This is the reason for this ministry, and mine as well, to enable you to first understand the peril facing you and then help you to develop strategies to warn and protect your loved ones. Once you've been thoroughly trained, you can use your knowledge as a means to open the door of discussion with an unsaved person. Again, that's the reason for watchman-type ministries. Okay, I'm not saying everybody should be doing what I'm doing. But the Bible says, can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you. Everybody's different in the body of Christ. So, um, I, I just love it when people you know, come up and say, you should just be doing this. Oh, thank you for defining my calling. And, and that would be like saying we should just all be fingers. This is all you, oh, thank you. You're acting on behalf of God. You've evidently, and a lot of times these people think they're real special and real spiritual and way better than everyone else. Well, trust me, I've run up against many of them. You know, I've said this many times, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. I never claim to be better than anyone or whatever. I don't claim that at all. I just praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved my wretched soul. Uh, so, again, we just not ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, as the Bible says. And we're to consider the pit from which we are dug. So, this is humility before God and your fellow man. And it's something that you know, we need to really always maintain because uh, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And so anyway, um, he goes on to say, I have been able to use this type of information many times, and I've seen people come to Jesus Christ as a result. I can't tell you how many times I've had people email me and tell me that they got saved through this ministry, as a result of their eyes getting open, or that they were totally, you know, liberated from all this deceit that they were in before, and now they're prepared to really face what's coming in the future, and they weren't prepared for that. Now, I'm not going to take credit for that. I give all the credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to take any credit for it. The Bible says God without shares glory with anyone. So I always want to point back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, meaning Jesus Christ, and then he shall direct thy paths. Well, when we acknowledge him, then he's going to direct our paths. But if we take all the credit, he's not going to do that. So, it's just something to think about. These perilous times are also a time when we can reach many souls for Jesus Christ, making an eternal difference. So, praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. Now, that's the end of the third part, because... That's the end of the study on Israel. Now, I'm going to go to the next part next, where we're going to talk more about the Gulf oil spill.